We're yeah. going pretty well. We've got the same mug in front of us too. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, is, yours, is yours full of whiskey as well? <laughs> no, I wish. <laughs> yeah, me too. Jordan Ganaway. I'm located in Perth, Western Australia, and I have Onshore Threads as my business and Project Print Co as our print shop as well. Okay, so you've got a clothing brand and a print shop. Yeah, which is an interesting mix. It's uh, fun trying to juggle the two. It's a good thing to get though, right? Like a lot of clothing brands can't print. They have, they have to get people like us to print for them. So yeah. Did you start both at the same time or start one or the other? How did it come to to be? Uh, I started the clothing brand first. I was doing graphic design at uni and we did a, a unit where we needed to create like a fictitious clothing brand. And then it kind of just led from there. Wow. Okay. But, it was a project that wasn't planned to come to fruition, but you just thought you'd carry on with it. Was that, is that how it happened? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And there was demand for it. So I thought, why not keep doing it? And probably that was eight years ago now. And we just printed for us, like printed for myself. Um, just learnt screen printing through trial and error. The first shirts we did were like a heat transfer from Spotlight, which, as you know, are shocking after the first wash and pretty much, pretty much fall off. So once I saw that happening, I was like, yeah, we got to got to up the quality a bit here and got Rizzo screens made up um, and learned through that way. And so you started with heat transfers and then jumped straight to screen printing. Yeah, after that first sort of run of shirts and it peeling straight off, I was like, oh, this ain't going to work long term. Okay. Yeah. And you, did you start, tell us about the first press and... You know, how did you make that all happen? How did you cure the inks and what inks were you using? Were you using Plastisol or did you start with water-based? So when we first started, we didn't even have press. It was just using a screen straight on the shirt, and just screen printing like that. Yeah. Uh, just using water-based inks because I didn't even know about Plastisol then. It was just what I could get available at the local hobby shop. And so we started with Permaset, just curing with an iron. Yeah. Um, and I did that for probably the first five, six years of the business because I still didn't know what Plastisol was. Sure. Um, yeah, as soon as I found out what Plastisol was, I made the switch pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. That's that's uh, a common a story once people realise how hard water water base is and then they get this Plastisol thing and they go, wow, this is, this is heaps easier. So that, that's yeah. amazing. How did you sell the garments? Like... This, you said this was eight years ago, is that right? Yeah, this is about eight years ago. Uh, I was just selling it online and at markets. So we'd just go down to the local market by the beach and print up a bunch of shirts throughout the week. Pretty much took the whole week to print 30 shirts by the time you cured it with an iron front and back. Yeah. Um, so you'd print up the shirts pretty quick. You let them dry. And then I'd just sit in front of the TV and watch a couple of TV shows and, and cure them. Yeah, right. And, um, I really don't miss those days. <laughs> do you still <laughs> sell in installs as well or you just do everything online now uh we do online and through like i think we have three stockers at the moment currently um yeah. it always fluctuates depending on who wants stock and who doesn't want stock but yeah 
it's a hard hard game to sell your own product i feel like these days did, it's so saturated how did you get that started like approaching retail stores or like what what was the process for that i've only actually ever approached one all the rest have approached me so oh wow um yeah being in perth it's obviously quite a small place and a lot of people see what people here are doing and like to support local so i guess if there's the, the demand there then it works out for the retailers yeah right that's very cool all right let's go back to basics you started yeah. you did this project to start a clothing brand you actually made it happen was there like a what's the brand behind the brand did you have a theme a concept what kind of ideas sat behind your designs or was it just lots of different things put together originally it was just strictly like ocean-based stuff because i was spending a lot of time at the beach i was at uni i could had pretty much free reign to do whatever i wanted with my spare time um but as it's evolved it's sort of followed my interests like the, when i get into something new i guess you can sort of work designs through that and as your taste change as a person and whatnot it's always evolving so now we're into a fair bit of like motorsport sort of style designs and which can also work in the same sort of surf field i guess mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's your but, target demographic is is the surfy kind of culture yeah so definitely surfy culture through that one and just sort of evolving the designs as we go and pulling reference from stuff that I'm interested in now. And uh, one of my employees also, he came on as a screen printer just over a year ago, but he never told me that he could design. So when I found that out about six months in, I was like, oh, you can make all these ideas that I've always had. He's a really good cartoon artist too. So that was super handy. When you started out, what actual garments were you printing on? Like, was it a brand? You know, was it AS Color or was it something out of Kmart or something? What What did you print on? When I first started, I went to Kmart and then I went to, I think I used a couple of Gildens for a while and then I went to AS Color. And once I sort of found the staple tea, I ran that for quite some time. It yeah. came out came out at a pretty good price point and um yeah, really good quality for what it is. And are you still printing on that or do you print on other brands as well? We predominantly print on AS Classics and we do a bit of Comfort Colors as well. For the I wondered about Comfort Color, yeah. So, because they just look much more beachy, surfy, faded, you know, muted colors. And yeah, unreal. Market. Unreal for that style, but they're a real pain to print, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I was going to ask about <laughs> you're thinking about dye migration. Yeah. 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 The, the purple ones and the, the pepper ones are particularly bad. So most of them we just print with a poly poly ink, which has the barrier base in it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I didn't know that, you know, I knew about dye migration, but I just assumed that, you know, they have 100% cotton, wouldn't be an issue. But I think it's because they're dyed after they're manufactured, aren't they? So they're not, yeah. not pre-dyed. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, that I learned pretty quickly. I was like, oh, why is this uh, pink pink on the other side? <laughs> I was Didn't like, I it's, 100... 
Yeah, hundred percent cotton tea. Everything checks out. Shouldn't have any dye migration here, but yeah. yeah. Oh, that's frustrating. Yeah, so you you don't put a barrier base underneath it. You've got an ink that you actually have a barrier base in. Is that right? Yeah. So we for anything that's not camo, we just use the white with a barrier base, and it's been yeah. pretty good. But if we do camo or anything like that, then it generally has to have that grey barrier. I find. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I have heard of people just taking a white and mixing a barrier base into it, and I always say, but doesn't that come out kind of gray and they go no no it's pretty white but i've, I've never done it so i don't it doesn't yeah. make sense to me that but uh i don't know yeah, have you ever done that no i've never done that that's the first i've heard of it but uh yeah it seems like it'd come out gray wouldn't it yeah that's that's what i <laughs> figured um i'll have to try it though and just uh to see what they're on about um okay so do you sell more classic um as colors or more comfort colors is it mixture? I'd, it's about 50-50, I'd say, because there's a lot of people who like that more fitted sort of style. Like they're a bit heavier, obviously, um, and a nicer collar. So you got that trade-off of the comfort cars being the faded wash and the AS color being like that really nice fitting t-shirt. Yeah. And you're printing on tanks and hoodies as well. And yeah, we do hoodies, uh, like quarter zips, shorts, all sorts of stuff through that, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever tried to kind of get to other markets with your brand or you think that, you know, this is the the niche that you're in and need to stay in that one or? Um, I haven't specifically like thought of it because now it's a bit of a side project to the print shop. But um, I feel like as it evolves, you kind of reaching different markets anyway, because you might put out a design that like, I don't know how closely you follow us. Like we did the chop shop one. And so now we've got a few people who are into like the motorbike sort of scene, like custom yeah. motorbikes who are more interested in it as well. So like, as you do different designs, I feel like your, your target market sort of changes or your demographic changes a bit. Yeah. Okay. And you just do you have you ever tried to sell anything over this side of the country? The, uh, other, we the, have, other, the other beach? Yeah, we have a few customers, but uh it's predominantly just West Australian based, which is kind of weird. We yeah. still haven't been able to crack that East Coast market. Although yeah. one surf shop that we stopped at for a while there, they used to have a rep come over every year from New South Wales and he said he used to love it, love coming over here because they actually had different brands over here rather than just like the same six that they stock in every shop over there. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. That's good. All right, let's go back to basics. So we've got the project running. We've got your brand running. You've got a screen without a press or anything. What was next? What did you do next? Did you go for like a, a better way of curing or a press or, or a flash dryer? Or what was your next stop? The next thing I made was a four-color one-station press with my dad. So we made it out of wood. Wow. Um, it didn't hold reg, but it worked good for a one-color. So um, you should just set up four screens and then just just print four designs. Okay. But, um, That's very cool. Yeah, that, with a single that, platen? Or yeah, single platen, but we made, like, sleeves and all sorts of different platens right. for it, which is um, – I feel like once you – well, you'll find out that I've made pretty much every bit of equipment you can for screen printing. <laughs> yeah, that's so, cool. um, Tell us about the others. Of, yeah. Well, I made it 
the next thing we made was a tunnel dryer. So wow, that's big, right? Tell us about that. The, uh, well, it was quite elementary. We had a heater panel in the top, just from the Kmart heater, and then we had a rotisserie little little motor there that would just run at one speed, and you could change you turn on and off panels to change the temperature inside. Um, but we found that for water base, it ran at pretty much the perfect time if you had two panels on and run it at the speed that it ran automatically. But um, mm. once you sort of make all these things, you kind of really appreciate the when you buy a good one. Okay. And you can also fix anything once, once you do have the new stuff. Yeah, okay. Because you have like um... a really real good understanding of how everything works and whatnot. And what kind of dryer are you using now? Is that running off just normal mains like your, your, the one you made or is that having to, you know, use three, three phase or something? We just have a Gilroy one at the moment and we've actually just ordered an, I ordered it a while ago, but we're getting a, a reservoir engineering one next week. Okay. So, um, yeah, we, when I upgrade, when we were upgrading the dryer, I was unsure whether to just get one bigger one or two, just add another one to what we already had and end up going with two. So then when we run two presses, you can run different speeds and different temperatures. Say you're doing hoodies on one and t-shirts on the other or something like mm -hmm. that. Just gave us the flexibility and all the power specs are pretty much the same as running for running two as it was for one big one. All right. Okay. That's cool. Um, all right. What was next after your, your, can I say handmade, homemade wooden press? Yeah. Uh, that got me through, I think it was four years it lasted me. Uh, and then I got a Vastex V100. I think we yeah. were one of the first people in Australia to get them when they came out. Okay. So trying to trying to do any research on them was near on impossible. So I kind of just did as much research as I could and get the bullet went through leapfrog that was super helpful um and yeah we still have that one at the moment but we're actually gonna sell it at the end of this week because we're getting an auto you get an auto yeah we bought one locally here and comes in on friday oh wow that's super cool tell us about that what is it what have you got uh we got a taz 200 so it's a bit of an older machine but eight colors uh 10 heads um it was local you can't ever find anything local in perth if you want yeah. to buy second hand um it came up for the right price and we thought why not why not add it in um we've got the workload for it a lot of the time good um yeah, yeah and we're getting a bit sore doing like 1500 piece runs on the manual <laughs> yeah <laughs> Absolutely. That's so cool. And that's a compressed air one. That yeah. Has 200. yeah. All right. Well, that's going to be, that's going to revolutionize everything. You must be super pumped for that. Yeah. It's going to be so nice. Um, I'm not sure how big the learning curve is going to be at this point, but um, yeah, looking forward to getting it running and stuff, trying to figure it out. And I think, you know, you, you hear people talking about, not starting on an auto like i know people that have started on an auto and then have for various reasons in their career you know moved somewhere else and gone to a manual and found that really difficult but of course other people will tell you and i think it's true you start on a manual you've got all the concepts in there 
you know because yeah. you know, in my view a lot of a lot of screen printing is working out what the issue is not how to do something you learn how to do something fairly quickly but what's wrong with this why isn't this not working you know you know that it's fixing that kind of problem and going over to an auto you've got the same issues but you fix them slightly differently um so i think it is beneficial to start on a manual and, and move to an auto because you might say right that actually might be the wrong mesh count or maybe that ink needs reducing more or you know whatever it may be but you know that because you did it on a manual do you see what i mean yeah yeah for sure you learn all the angles and pressures and whatnot first and then you're able to troubleshoot from there the only thing obviously that you can't get around but that i don't do any printing anymore and i really miss that but when i first when we first went to an auto i did do the printing um is you can't feel what's going on you know obviously you're not doing the physical printing and yeah. i used to love it when maybe you had a loose screen or something you know a little a little bit loose at the mesh and you're on the manual and after a while your eye just picked up maybe a tiny creep of underbase somewhere and you just mentally just switch the angle slightly or change the stroke or whatever and you just nailed it straight away you can't do that on an auto you know, it comes yeah. around and you go, hang on a minute, this, you know, and you've got to go. So not being able to feel what's going on, you know, I found yeah. a little bit blind to begin with. Um, yeah, for sure. Oh, that's really exciting. That's very cool. Yeah, no, um, should be a huge game changer from what I've heard. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. that. That's amazing. And how many of you are there there? Uh, there's just two at the moment. Um, we're looking for a third. Uh, we have just like little tasks that we'd like to be done, like just someone to check in shirts, someone to catch the end of the dryer, yeah. rather than have have to like run between loading and unloading and yeah. that. But um, yeah, just two of us at the moment. And I did the first five, what did I do? Six years on my own. Oh, and so yeah. we're, the first two years of the print shop was in insane. Um, it just grew to bigger than what I ever expected. And we ended up having to get someone in to start helping. And he's been with us ever since. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that would have been tricky on your own initially, I guess. I've never been on my own in this business. And my daughter co-owns the company with me. And it was her and I that sort of started messing around and trying to work out how it all works so i've never had a catch <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is kind of nice um yeah it sounds like what what that auto will do once you nail it is it will you may not be running at top speed initially but it will soak up jobs much more quickly once you when we got ours we found that our setup and teardown time just dropped you know like we just couldn't do it quickly enough there are times when i kind of was like gee let's get this back on the manual and just get the job out the door but once you get that kind of nailed um it'll soak up jobs so if you suddenly have a spike one week or one month where you know you've got more quantities of jobs let's say not necessarily um, the quantity of garments so you've got a greater number of jobs to print um it'll just eat through them more quickly and then when you kind of start to, in our experience, uh, when you start to kind of plateau on that, you find that you need the extra person and then you can ramp up the, 
the speed and really start kicking it out. Um, yeah. And that's what I liked. I thought this trajectory we were on was very steep learning, but also the amount of work we were getting. And we waited and waited and waited and we got someone else doing the printing because I'm in my mid fifties, not a young fellow like you. And, yeah. you know, I just couldn't keep doing it as much as I loved it. Um, but then he had to go. He was he was a student. He was great. Um, he had to go and teach um, kids. And um, it kind of fell back to me. And we were like, well, we need to get an order. We can't do this. And it just took off so quickly for us. It was, it was unbelievable. So, you yeah. know, we really, really appreciated getting that. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I think it would make a huge difference. And some, some of our cut, as we've, grown in the print print shop um we've just grown with our customers so like people are ordering 30 t-shirts four years ago are ordering 300 400 now which yeah. is a big thing so like that's going to take massive load off just doing those long runs by hand we have one customer a band that'd be our biggest customer and they have multiple car designs like 500 garments each so I think last year we did a six color front print on 450 shirt jumpers or something. And that was just a long couple of days. Mm. You know, imagine that going around a carousel, you know, you're loading a garment on the, on the carousel and it comes around for the first time and it comes off and goes in the oven. Like yeah, so nice. <laughs> yeah, compared to a manual, that's just wow. That's so cool. Oh, I'm really stoked to hear that, mate. That's that's awesome. Um, and are you going to keep your two manuals, or are you gonna? We're gonna keep the cruiser or... and get rid of the Vastex. Yeah. So um, we'll keep the bigger one with the side clamps and stuff. We run that yeah. all the time. It's a bit newer, but yeah, we'll keep them. Keep the cruiser get the auto we'll have two dryers by the end of next week so it's all happening around here wow it's full on we'll have to catch yeah. up with you again once you've you know had that in for a few months and see how that progresses yeah for sure see how we're going figure it all out as the the cruiser i've never ever been on anything mnr i'd love to but i've seen a few of those you know at a distance so to speak online um, but they're pretty good. People really rave about them. Yeah, for the price, you can't really complain. I think that they came in about seven thousand dollars shipped to us. So you don't, you can't get side clamps or anything on anything else for under ten. Yeah, um, right. And it's been a real solid press. It was a bit different going from a rear clamp to a side clamp, just with your screen yeah. setups and stuff, and how much movement you had. We used to do like a couple of designs on the same screen. You just move the screen over on the on the back clamp, but um, <laughs> you can't really do that. Like a, yeah, just, so you just change the way that you template the. Do you print on film and then burn from yeah. film? Yeah, yeah. So you just change the way that you run those templates to to kind of stick the film to the bottom of the screen. Is that what you're you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. So now. So instead of putting a couple, if you had like room on a, on a screen left, instead of putting it two designs next to each other, you could do like one on top of the other or something like that if they're just single colours. Yeah. And then just move the screen up as you, as you move on to the next design. Gotcha. Gotcha. 
Yeah, nice. Yeah, I'd really like to to look at more MR stuff and kind of get my head around it. Have you heard of MHN? Is that a brand you've no. heard of? No, no I haven't heard of them. Are they, heard of them. Are they available in Australia? I don't think they're here yet, but yeah. apparently they're they're pretty big everywhere else. They're kind of like, well, I don't know because I've never seen one, but people talk about them being very similar to M&R. Um, yeah. And they're set up and everything. But I think they're a European company, but I, I've never seen one. But people rave about them. Um, yeah. We run Anatol here. We, we run Vastex as well. We've got a couple of manuals, small V100-like, the one I think you've got, yeah. which we're using for live screen printing um, and plastisol transfers or something, you know, super easy like that. Yeah. Um, and then we've got a Vastex V2000, eight color, which is currently in storage. And we've got a 10 color, uh, 12 platen um, automatic, which is now yeah. uh, which we like. I think there's a few issues here and there, but that may be common to all automatic presses for all I know. Um, yeah. But I like Vastex. People kind of knock them a bit because they're so kind of robust and heavy um but it was a press i got really used to and um you know just knew kind of how to tension it well and make sure that yeah you know rego didn't slip and those kind of things i really liked it i guess like all presses you you end up you know nailing it um but yeah the auto as i said earlier just transformed our ability uh, to output much you know bigger quantities of jobs as well as bigger runs more easily as well. So yeah. now, you know, um, just the other day, Lydia, who runs the team, um, there was an urgent thing change, you know, customer came on and said, Oh, look, can you do this today instead? And we were like, great, you know, and I, it was 200 garments or 220 or something like that. And I said to her, do you think we could get this on? And she looked at the artwork and, you know, the screens were, were made and she just said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that next. It's only take, you know, 20 minutes. It'll be fine, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so couldn't do that with an auto, right? Like, it would just be, yeah. you know, several, at least two hours, I'd say, um, possibly four. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, you'll appreciate the difference without a doubt. So yeah. what do you use to print your film with? What kind of um, film positive printer are you using? We used to have an Epson nine seven hundred or something i don't actually know what it is because it doesn't have a number on it sitting right next to me but um yeah it just does up to a3 but i think this year now that we're getting the order i might look at something a bit bigger just for those oversized prints yeah but up until now we didn't really do a whole lot of oversized stuff just because of the toll on the body doing it on the manual mm. like doing multiple colors oversized with plastisol mm. is yeah sore on the shoulders sure is yeah um we jumped up to a, a wide roll a while ago um and the thing i didn't realize was it's cheaper on film obviously really? you're, you're, yeah because you're using you know like if you've got an a3 um you know a good size print on an a3 you're probably not going to be able to fit left chest print on that same bit of film that you might cut out later but you yeah. might get two or three of those you know on one space on the roll so it 
I found it easier to kind of use up space on the roll, you know, rather than waste space. So ultimately yeah. it works out cheaper. Um, and the cost per foot, if you will, or meter of film with a roll is less than it is buying sheets. So it actually saved quite a bit of money, saved on ink as well, like refills and all of that. Yeah. Um, Does that use like a tank or is it just cartridges? It's huge cartridges, like this kind of length. So that oh, big, yeah. That's like a 30... TTG machine. A little bit like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just a film printer. Um, it's over in the corner here, so I can't quite show you, but um, it's the Epson 3200. We've got the um, cartridges where we just use the refillable black ink. So yes. these... These types of, oh, that's cleaning fluid, but that kind of bottle, but with black ink. So we just yeah. fill them up. And um, it's just all black printer, or do you still have the color cartridges in there too? No, it's all black. Just turn it all yeah. black. In one of them, I put a cleaning fluid. It's yeah. just, I don't know what it is, just some kind of ethanol, maybe. And uh, sorry about that. Um, and now and again, they've just set it to clean, uh, but it's brilliant, works fine. And yeah, you know, if you've got that big print that's bigger than A3. Yeah, it's perfect for it. Yeah, it's gold. And also you get a really thick deposit of ink once you get the driver set up. You know, yeah. there's always that kind of tinkering around to get the driver to deposit what you're looking for. Yeah, I know how that feels. You get the new printer, and it feels like you spent so much money on it. You're like, oh, this thing doesn't even print a black film. Yeah. Well, you'll definitely uh, enjoy that for sure if you get one of those at some point. Um, yeah. And tell us about burning screens. What kind of exposure unit? Did you make uh, one of those as well? Yeah, I built that myself as well. Fantastic. So I originally had a halogen light in it. I think it was about 1,000 watts. But I just mm -hmm. found it got too hot. So we've switched over probably a year ago to an LED unit. But that's also brought the exposure time way down. I think we're about a minute 45 with the dual QR motion. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's got a backing top and everything, so it's perfect. But the thing I've found since I bought the auto is nothing's going to fit auto screens because I made it for the manual size, okay, yep. which um, was something that I didn't consider when I was making everything that would ever upgrade to an auto. So that's probably a tip if I ever was to give someone a tip who's starting a screen printing shop is maybe prepare better for the future and... If you make it bigger, it's not necessarily going to be a bad thing. So um, was that LED one one you made as well, or did you buy that off the market? Or Yeah, that one. We just changed out the light bulb on the other one. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, and that's like a 100-watt LED light, so it uses way less power and runs cooler, faster exposure times, um, getting like really good, really good half tones as well on that too. And you're using, did you say dual cure emulsion? Yeah. What kind of emulsion? We use, use uh, I think it's Chromaline CP Techs. Yep. It's, um, yeah, pretty much started with that. I've tried a couple of others since I've started. I keep going back to it. It's just so easy to use and good exposure times. Uh, works with water-based and plastisol, which is handy as well. Yeah. So you still do a bit of water-based printing as well? Yeah, we probably do about 80-20 plastisol water base. It's still nice to have that option if someone wants something soft or 
even on fleece that's really lumpy just to get mm. a really smooth print mm. like sometimes you can get some absolutely shocking hoodies that you can't get a nice print with plasticizer on but on your auto you will be able to um, yeah yeah i mean even if like we found straight away on the auto again that prints were just smoother overall because you yeah. can get different kind of pressure going but also put a flattening screen in a roller or whatever and yeah. you'll, you'll just resolve that problem in one go you just use up one head you know that's not a big deal yeah generally have you got to get new flashes for that press or do they come uh, comes comes with flashes and a compressor and everything so Fantastic. yeah it's a package yeah too good to too good to refuse yeah quite right and you're doing any kind of uh, simulated process work or is it mostly spot uh, process? How do, how do you do all mostly that? Mostly spot colours. We've done a couple of simulated process jobs that we're really happy with. Um, but it's they just find it's a lot of trial and error until you really get it. And at the moment, we just haven't had a whole lot of time to play with it unless we get the job in, which yeah. um, kind of makes it fun because it just adds a little stress factor factor onto it but as uh as jed my employee says diamonds are made under pressure so yeah we like, right. to, like to take that one like take them on and see what we can do but it's interesting i like i'd like to do a lot more of it but until we have that time to really play with it it's not something that we like, advertise or anything mm. yeah and do you do any discharge or anything like that no discharge, just water-based and plaster salt at the moment. Um, we don't have good ventilation in here, so it's probably oh, okay. not ideal for discharge. Yeah, no, it's, and it is horrific when you when you get going with discharge. Everyone goes, yeah. oh, this isn't real good. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> job done as quickly as we can. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, now, so at what point did you start printing for everyone else? And you said earlier, I think you alluded that in a way, the brand is kind of like side business now. Is that how you described it? And yeah, you know, the main print co is is Project Print. I think you you're called. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah Project Print. Um, that was about three and a half, four years ago. I don't have like a set date on it, but um, yeah, somewhere in that time, I started doing a few more jobs for other people. Like friends would be like, "Oh, can you print this for me?" Um, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, print that." Um. And it was just like a lot of workwear and stuff like that for for friends. But um, from that, it's just grown exponentially. And have you done um, much marketing or has it just grown naturally in that, that time? Just pretty much all word of mouth. We used to post on Instagram daily for probably like the first year. Um, and then after that, it's, so as we see something cool come through the shop, we'll, we'll post post about it. This year we haven't done a whole lot. We're just trying to get everything in order to um, be able to handle that those bigger orders and stuff. Get the auto in, and then we'll probably ramp up again. Yeah. With the with the marketing. Yeah. Um, so your the, main channel for marketing is Instagram. That's what yeah. You're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much the only marketing we've done. We never done paid ad or anything like that. Um, yep. We swapped. A couple of hundred shirts for some advertising space in the magazine. Um, and we got a lot of that was a fishing and boating magazine. Um, they print heaps and heaps of copies of that, and we got a fair bit of work out of that as well. 
apart from that, no formal advertising or anything. And what about the business side? Like, have you got any business training or is that all kind of, I'm just going to learn this on the go or was there anything there that you had already? No, pretty much all on the fly. I've never held like a high position in a job where I've had to be a manager or anything like that. So everything that I've learned has just been on the go or asking people, um, research on the fly, mm. um, which is, is kind of interesting now that I've been in the business world for a while I've sort of learned that there were lots of courses out there that you could have done but at the time I didn't really know about it so yeah I just got on and did it the hard way yeah <laughs> learned on the job what better way do you see yourself like you mentioned earlier you know you're younger than me there but even you if you've got a big print run on the manual, it's hard on the body and it's still hard on the, on an auto. It's just, you're not doing the press. So you still yeah. obviously got to load and unload and in theory is going a lot quicker as well. Right? So, yeah. um, but you see yourself um, moving more to the kind of business end of the business or continuing with the print end or like what, because a lot of people don't want to do the business. They're going to get, I just love printing, right? You know, it's the artisan, it's the it's the beautiful graphic that comes out, it's a replicable, replicable process there. And some people kind of go, yeah, that's good, but this stuff interests me more. How do you feel about that? I'm on the fence. I think about, about them both. Um, if I have a bad day on the press, then I'm like, oh, I just want to run the business. If I have a bad day business-wise, I'm like, oh, I just want to stay on the press all day. But um I think ultimately, as I get older, I'm probably going to have to move off the press. Um, I still still love printing, um, and I'd rather be printing. But I do have like quite an interest in business and stuff. Listen to all the business podcasts. Um, oh wow! Which, yeah, um, it's it definitely interests me a lot the business side of things. But I wouldn't exactly describe myself as like a businessman. No. A, a guy who who prints shirts and yeah it has to have a business to make it happen yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah no, that's that's cool um and your markets are bands and w w obviously the surf side of things for your own brand but the stuff that you're printing for other people's around bands is that correct yeah we do lots of bands we do uh, lots of fishing and boating companies and we, there's a lot of small brands in perth that um surf related as well that we do work for okay that's good have you thought about other markets or you're just cool with those ones for now i'm pretty cool with those ones um keeps us super busy already and it's kind of the markets that i know so um i quite like the, the like motorsport sort of, sort of things but um lots of simulator process over there so mm. um Maybe one day when we figure that all out, we can start targeting that. But we're pretty happy in our lane at the moment. Would you do your own separations for simulated process or outsource it? Or how would you do I'd, those? I do all the separations myself. Um, up until recently, I haven't used any separation software. Just with Photoshop and Illustrator, just selecting color channels. Yep. For one recent um, simulated process job I did, get a sep I think it's separation studio or something which just helped with the output of those halftones yeah yeah halftones always the the bane of 
of any screen printer's life. Um, and would you do you mostly print a 43T, 77s? What's your kind of choice screen for most prints? Uh, we're 55 and 63. Pretty okay. much. Yeah. Mostly. We do have a couple of 43s just for those water-based jobs. Um, we don't want to pog up as much. Yep. Yep. Keep them open. Yeah. So in terms of getting going, what would you say if you, you know, if, if someone came to you today and said, oh, screen printing, I'd really love to start a screen print business. What would you say to them? Run. don't do it (laughs) yeah no um probably just prepare for the future like a lot of stuff that i didn't do in the beginning was like i didn't record everything for every job and i just kind of winged it a lot which once you get bigger and busier you kind of can bite you in in the butt a bit because you like when we started we had just tub colors and then we start mixing pantones you're like oh just remember that color and then you maybe have like three four or five of the same similar sort of color so it can be off for another job like recording like distances down that you print stuff and sizing and everything if you're on top of that then it makes it really easy to replicate everything and it makes it really easy to have a solid product between like print operators and stuff too when you're setting jobs up so hmm. i found that like if you leave it to chance it's kind of not the best idea yeah yeah fair enough um and inks what kind of inks do you use like what brand of inks we use union mostly for plasticel uh we use a bit of magna for water-based um they got a really good white that has a good open time on it and it cures a bit quicker than the permaset and then permaset for colors and water-based. Do you remember what that um, white is, the Avion white, uh, the Magna white that you mentioned? You know uh, not off the top of my head. Okay. But um, send me an email like on that. And... A V4 or something, possibly, but I can definitely send that over. Yeah, it just might be interesting do to you, find that out. Do you pretty much water-based? As little as we can. A bit yeah. like you, you know, we're 3,000 feet up here and it's like, you know, just so dry. Um, yeah. So it just closes up even on a really, you know, on a 43T, it closes up real quick. We have actually got some new whites, though, that um, a guy called Danny from the Flippin' Sweet Print Co. in the UK recommended to use as an underbase under a plastisol. Yeah. Well, that's kind of trade trade secret um and it's a magna and i can't recall the name of that one either um and he does it he works on a manual but he does it to try and get what he thinks is the smoothest plastisol print you can get so i'm keen to stick that in the press and get the guys trying that out as an underbase the problem i've got with it is it slows the curing time down and you know that's that's going to be another problem for you right you know, once yeah. you get going and on, on that auto and those um, jobs start to really fill up again, it's going to be about getting them through the tunnel dryer as quickly as you can. And then you get, I don't know, an order for 500 with a water-based ink and everything has to slow down, right? So, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't like we've, it as an ink. Yeah, we've messed with the uh, underbase, using it as an underbase under plastic, so like really good results. It's just that 
secure time on water base these days. Like we don't have the time to run a water base job like that's really big. Like just the cure time on it is ridiculously slow compared to plasticel. Yeah. Yeah. It's um and that's just you know, we've got a lovely wide um dryer. Um, so hopefully we can feed two autos. Obviously they'd need to go at the same. You know, unlike your idea yeah. of having two tunnel dryers that you can put one with, you know, one speed and temperature for hoodies and the other for tees and so on. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to do that. Um, but I, you know, can't, you know, in that example, we can't have a situation where on one press we're running water base and the other plastisol because we still need the speed throughput. So yeah. I just don't feel like um, we'll ever really get back into it. I started on that. Like you, yeah. I didn't know what plastisol was. And when I first heard about it, I was like, well, that sounds really hard. I think I'll stay away from that, you know. And then, of course, yeah. one day we took the plunge and went, yep, this is good. Um, but when we finally did do that and move away from Waterbase, it was like such a gift. So I don't think we'll ever go back. Occasionally we do. Somebody says, no, I really do want Waterbase ink, and we'll make it happen. Um, we used to do a bit more discharge. But like you, you know, it stinks. It's not good for you. It's slow again. Um, and so, yeah, plastisol for us is is king really you know yeah um do you have a dip tank like how do you reclaim screens no just with a pressure washer so we just spray it on uh scrub it down and then Blow we find that that's still still quick enough yeah we probably oh, yeah 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 for sure we don't use heaps of screens like we do a lot of repeat stuff and we do like a lot of single color stuff so it's not like we're reclaiming five screens for a job um, we'd probably run maybe 50 to 60 screens a week, mate. So it's not that bad to just reclaim 15 every morning. Yeah. Okay. Which is what we sort of do. Um, we'll just have one person, we just stack them all up and then we'll have one person who just cleans all the ink and tape off them and then one who just uh, strips them. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Um, and with that do you have a thing where so how do you take ink out because i'm really interested like different councils in different parts of australia have different rules about what can go down the, the drain as to say yeah. the sewage rather than the you know the storm water um and we complete have complete separation at that point so we make sure that um no inks basically or any other solvents go anywhere near the sewage and we have yeah. those chemically taken away and chemically treated. Do you have something similar, or do you? How do you dispose of ink? Um, all that ink and uh, is just like wiped off the screen with a rag, and then we just use turp, so it's pretty much clean by the time it gets over there. Gotcha. And then we just have, yeah, so it doesn't really get to the to the sink. That's one of the benefits of not having a dip tank, ironically. Because, yeah. you know, if you've got 200 litres of water and chemical in a dip tank, you know, and it gets spent, which happens, you know, three yeah. months in, it's it's inert almost in terms of its power to reclaim. Um, you've got to dispose of that liquid. You can't put that down the drain, right? So it's yeah. a real nightmare. You've got to work out how to get rid of that. So at least yeah, you're so not you just, doing that. Yeah. So you're just using the dip tank for... Um 
reclaiming? Because I've heard that people use them once you've done your exposure, you dunk them in there and then you wash them out after that. And I feel like that will probably do us a bit more of a benefit than having them for reclaim. We use both. So we've got two dip yeah. tanks. One is for reclaiming and the other is for doing what you said. We, we burn the screens and put them in there for a minute. It just softens up the emulsion a little bit more, which means when we come to blow it, blow out the stencil, it just falls out more easily under a lower pressure. So when yeah. anything's super detailed, you know, the higher pressure, the more likely you are to blow something out. Yeah, and so sure. that's what we do. Um, depending on the emulsion that you use, um, that dip tank with just the water in it, after a while, it can really stink. For some reason, it stinks of rotten eggs. And <laughs> we've, we've tried a few different emulsions, but eventually they all seem to do that. Um, yeah. The other dip tank is, is just for reclamation. So we just, we'd like you, we take the ink out. We use um, a Frammar soya-based chemical. I can't remember what it's called to get that yeah. out. We find that. We also use white spirit if we need to. Those then go, we put in five at, at a time in the dip tank. Um, when it's just been replenished, the guys do it for like, well, the guy that does it, here's one of our team from Bhutan. And I asked him the other day, so how many seconds are you running that for? He said 17. I said 17, not 16, 17. And, but obviously the longer over time, it just gets, it becomes longer and longer, but he puts them in yeah. for 17 seconds, takes them out, stands them, and then just blows them out one by one, does the next one and so on. And that's pretty quick. When you've got your auto, you're going to get those bigger screens, right? Yeah. So you might find that is more useful because your bigger yeah. screen means bigger cleaning area. We got slightly oversized screens for our press, like yeah. the 790. No, I think a 690 by 790. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. Um, and we did that because we don't have to tape up on the inside at all. So they're much wider than the actual um, uh, platens. Yeah. And that's really cool because you don't need to tape up. Like We tape up on, on the bottom and obviously tape off the rego marks, but they're much easier to clean because there's nothing on the side. There's no tape to pull out on the side. Yeah. That's been a, a neat little trick. I heard that somewhere else and thought, yeah, I might give that a go. Um, yeah, that's super handy. Yeah. So, yeah. I have you, heard of that that glue that you can put in there but then it seems like a real pain when you're washing screens out if you get in the corner you're going to get covered in it i've tried that yeah you might as well just be pointing the, the gurney at yourself really yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty gnarly um yeah so dip tank might be appropriate you know at some point yeah. because you've got those those bigger screens more more to clean um does the uh, taz have side clamps or front and rear clamps side clamps yeah okay yeah that's cool um is so, yours front and rear no they're side oh, yeah. yeah side clamps obviously the vastex is a, a just a back clamp um yeah, yeah and I've, i it might be much better on, on the taz um, because we're on a vault which is fully electric there's no compressed air so the clamps for screens are manual you know you pull it's very easy to pull the thing down but you can get a bit of movement in a screen when you do that. Yeah. So you might put a screen in, clamp it, get the micro edge right, move the other one, and it might move a fraction of a pixel. 
Um, I have heard on the MRs that they have air air clamps, so you just yeah. you know line up, get it regoed, flick a button, and they just you know bite. Um, I like the sound of that because I reckon that wouldn't move so much. Whether it's front, and, I think they do front and rear ones for that yeah. um, technology. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd like to to have a look at those and see um, see how they work. So what's for the future? I mean, this week clearly is a massive corner turning experience for you notwithstanding yeah. you've got to do the install how are you going to get installed first you've got people coming to help you with that or are you doing that yourself um we spoke with the taz tech and they said just take off a couple of arms enough arms to get it through the door and that should be easy enough to um put back together if you mark everything correctly and then it's just all leveling and stuff so i might go get a digital level and try and get it all straight but um we found out that if there are any issues, there's going to be a Taz Tech here next week anyway. So that doesn't happen Great. very often. Great. No, that's so, yeah. a gift. Otherwise, they're, um, they're available on FaceTime as well, which was another good thing. So, yeah. so this corner is coming. Did you say Friday? Yeah, Friday. Okay, so Friday's coming. You're going to get that in. You're going to get it running. And, you know, over the next few months, you're going to settle into knowing, you know, exactly what you want to get out of that and how you can make it run. What's your vision yeah. for the future after that? What are you thinking in terms of where you want to go with this business? Um, I really want to buy my building and then run like solar and stuff like that. Try and yeah, right. it'd just be nice to have less of an impact with all the uh, electricity that we pull. Because once you get an electrician in and they like, yeah, you're pulling this much power and you get your bills and you're like, if we could offset this a little bit, that'd be nice, like environmentally, but mm. also having our own space to really grow into. Because I started in this space as a shared space. So basically, I think there was about 25 different little businesses in here when I first moved in. I moved in 25 square meters out the back. Um, and then slowly I've taken over, I've knocked down a few walls and joined a few studio spaces. Now we're up around a hundred square meters, but it'd be nice to just have something like 250 square meters that we could really just like grow into yeah. rather than have to really like force our way around things and trip over stuff to get to things. Um, it'd be nice to just be able to grow for a bit. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, I think that's really wise now that you're getting an auto, you know, it's it's going to take up. Have you looked at the size of the footprint? Is it pretty big? Yeah, 3.6 metres across. Okay, yeah, right. But um, it's going to take, take up the nice little bit of extra space that we just got. Yeah, that's that's one big circle. Um, and what about like in 10 years or whatever, you know, would you like to have two autos, 10 autos? 50 or just one like you know i reckon just one auto and one manual I would, i'd prefer to keep it small and manageable rather than have like a, a big beast because i've heard on the shirt show i think they talk about it a lot how people reckon they're happiest at like two autos or something which is and a small team like you i feel like the bigger you get the more headaches you have so For you're sure. dealing with this and that and you have 10 people reporting to you rather than like just three and you you really lose 
touch with it a bit, I feel like. Yeah. So I think if we keep it a small team, um, then you got obviously less running costs and stuff. It's not like just a money making machine. Like you still yeah. care about everything. Yeah. And all the jobs that come through and your customers, you'll still know and whatnot. And I think if you do that, you retain the artistry of screen printing because your focus isn't on solving big business issues or any size business issues yeah. or staffing issues so much. Um, I I have a slightly different view. Like I agree with that. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm old, so I'm probably, you know, not going to be in it for too long. But I would like to grow to five to six autos. But yeah. I'd like like to do it in a very controlled way and what i've found yeah. is you know i don't know what it was like for your business but ours which started we didn't really aim to run this as a business but like you, you know people came and said can you print and everything we said yeah how do you do that yeah. um, simulated what what's that <laughs> you know? yeah. um, and it grew and then it grew exponentially like you were saying and it basically, with the exception of the year of COVID, where it didn't double, it almost doubled every year. And yeah. then when we hit a particular point in revenue, I said, we can't actually keep doing this because, you know, to grow from this point to this point is an issue. But when you get to here and you're doubling it, it's now a nightmare. So yeah. if I could grow to five or six, um, but gradually in a controlled way, I think it would be worth doing. But yeah. I also get the idea you're saying that it would be nice to, you know, run an auto and a manual and, you know, have a smaller team, be in touch with the artwork, as it were, you know, the yeah. output. I mean, I do the business end of this job now here, and I love that. I've done business my, pretty much my whole working life. And yeah. so I, I enjoy that. It, you know, it's my kind of, it interests me. But I do the SEPs. Some complex stuff I don't do. I just give it, yeah. outsource it. Um, And so I get to the point of film and that's me done, you know? And so often I'll go out there and say, oh, can I see that such and such a job? Oh, sorry, that's gone. What do you mean? It's good? You know, and I miss it. You know, yeah. now they'll come in and say, do you want to see this one? Look, if it's something interesting, come, do you want to see this one? Um, and, you know, so I'm missing that side of it, but I don't mind too much because I'm wanting to, to drive the business from the business end. But yeah. I can see some people don't want to lose touch with that altogether. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um Garments we've spoken spoken about your your long term goal is to get these premises. Are you thinking of anything like embroidery? Is that or do you uh, do we have, we have one head here? Um, it it seems to be a bit of a pain for what it's worth. Um, it's easier to just I say easier. It's a bit of a headache still just subbing it out to someone else locally here. Um, but it's always just you're at the mercy of their timelines and everything everything else that comes with that. Um, so we do a bit, but we don't really advertise it as such. We'll do small jobs here on the single head. Um, anything yep. over about 20 units we'll sub out. Um, yep. 
But yeah, it's something to think about. We don't have room for one here, like anything bigger here. I think if I was to go fully at it, I'd probably just buy a machine and get someone to run it here rather than outsource. But until we get to that point, I think we'll just outsource a little bit some bobs that we get and see what happens. Yeah, but, okay. um, I feel like that's the biggest thing with outsourcing stuff is you just at the mercy of another business. Like and that's something that we've struggled with and try to get our heads around. But do you outsource embroidery or anything like that? We stay away from it completely. Yeah. We just don't so you just... if we've got a big, you know, athletics event or something and they you know, they want caps or something, we will outsource it. Yeah, um, like we would never print it or you know do anything in internally. We used to try and print or at least heat press plastisol transfers on baseball caps, but you know it's just too hit and miss for that kind of surface, as you're probably aware. And so we do outsource, but we just if anyone comes on, we just say no, we don't do it generally. But a big customer yeah. would say, yeah, we'll find, we'll do it, we'll make it happen. Um, yeah. Do you ever get people contact you for contract printing? Uh, no. We had we were doing it for one place for a while, but um, they ended up buying their own screen printing stuff. So we, once that customer's gone, we're like, it's better to just go direct to customer and then you just you deal with the customer directly and you've got a full paper trail of everything that's been, been said and whatnot. And it's your deadlines and their deadlines, not someone else's deadlines that is an extra deadline in there and stuff sometimes stuff isn't communicated correctly so we just rather go straight to our customer yeah i agree we i had a reason i asked is i had an email occasionally it happens people come on to us for it and i had one this morning um and i replied and said no we don't do that and i thought i might take the opportunity to just tell them why you know not just no something we don't do um i was thinking about it you know they want they wanted to supply their own garments yeah um you know ostensibly they want to get a very cheap rate for it so it's just the print cost i don't know about you but we make money out of the sale of the garment as well we put a markup yeah. on it and you know i said if if you're not printing 500 to a thousand there's zero money in it for us zero money in it for you um, and the risk is immense if there's a, if there's spoilage and you provide the garments. Yeah. And I just flicked that back. But we had a scenario not so long ago where somebody uh, wanted to use the press, the auto, and they and they had a they run on a manual and they had a I can't remember how many thousand it was, but it was a reasonable order. And they just said, you know, my arms are going to fall off. I can't do this sort of thing. Do you mind if we? hire the use of your press and i said but that's it when you think about it that's all of your profit yeah because because that's what i'll lose right yeah and they were like yeah but it'll only take two hours or whatever and 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 they said we'd pay you 100 bucks an hour and i said that still doesn't work like economics you know just yeah you know, so i don't want to go anywhere near that market if possible yeah. um we do have a couple of are really they're graphic designers who you know we're their printers but they know what our rates are we don't we might give them a bit of a, a better kickback if you know 
they're they're running a lot of jobs through us. Like we've got one yeah. one guy in the Blue Mountains who's great and he does tons of designs for bands and businesses. And uh, we do him a better deal, but it's still not quite contract printing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's still kind of B two C, um, at least almost. We we try to stay away from bands. I'm really interested. Like I, I struggle with bands uh, partly because um, they're not interested in a partnership relationship. They just can you get some teas for us as cheaply as you can? You know, they're just trying yeah. to flog them to make a bit of road money or whatever. Um, unless you're talking about ACDC or something, right? <laughs> That's a different yeah. scenario. But how do you go with that? I mean, you, what you said earlier sounded to me like you, some of your customers have grown as you've grown. And that yeah. clearly speaks to partnership and supporting one another, which is great. But do you find bands are less loyal or are they pretty solid? Um, the For the most part, the bands that we print for are loyal. Um, you, We've had been printing with some of them for the whole four years um and i've grown exponentially but um you get the occasional one that'll come through just for one job you might have been like five cents cheaper on a t-shirt than someone else that particular time and they'll go with you but the next time you're five cents more expensive and they go with the other person but i find it's just kind of hit and miss yeah like fans are really really in it for cents on t-shirts some of them yeah 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 and i only want 15 or 20 usually what is your minimum by the way uh 20 units for screen printing um we got a dtg about a month ago so we can do from one now oh okay do you do much of that um we haven't officially like launched it we're probably gonna do our first job like customer job on it this week um we've just been printing shirts for ourselves testing them through the wash and putting them through their paces and we're really happy with the results for something that you can have a design here and you can have a printed shirt in like eight minutes yeah especially something that's full color um stuff that you usually turn away you can just be like oh yeah i'll do that or if someone wants a sample for something we say yeah we'll just do it we can just say we do it on dtg um, won't be like the finished product because we'll screen print it, but um, here's what it's going to look like on a T-shirt if you want a physical sample. Yeah, right. That's a good idea. I hadn't thought of that. Um, and is there any sort of direct-to-film companies in Perth that people use? Uh, not that I'm aware of. We use Supercolor. We do a fair bit of Supercolor. Um, like we got a new heat press about six months ago, and we've already done about 6,000 prints on it. So. Yeah, wow. It's got a counter on it. That super color you're getting in Australia or from the US? Uh, From New Zealand. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so it's pretty quick to get here considering um, I think we order it and it's here within six business days. So it's probably super quick if you guys were to ever look into it. Yeah. Do you do much like heat transfer stuff? or? No, occasionally um, we like it would be ultra color or, or one of those technologies if we do yeah um we don't do any of our own stuff other than you know names for you know customers that have got a sports team or whatever we just create the plastisol transfers and and press those on we yeah. do occasionally get customers that come in we 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 probably the same as you we, we serve nationally but um there's a local university here and the colleges all you know, someone will walk in with 
I don't know, 50 pairs of pants or trackies or whatever. that are like 100% polyester. And they'll go, I've got this picture of whatever, and it's full color. And you just yeah. go, oh, well, how do I even begin <laughs> to explain this? Um, and in that kind of thing, we would go out to ultra color or super color um, type technology and just press yeah. them on. Um, but apart from that, we've not really done any director film. I'd say we've done 20 jobs in the last four years on, yeah. on that kind of technology. But everyone's raving about it at the moment. But I I just wonder if, it, I mean, I get people come on and they say, oh, there's, they tell me there's nothing like a screen print. You know, we know that screen printing is the kind of, you know, pinnacle of apparel decoration. Yeah. And uh, I think that's going to stay. But the key for me is if you want, um, you know, a simulator, even a 10-color job or an 8-color job, no matter whether it's sim process or spot color, um, and you've got 500 to do, screen printing's without a doubt your best option, you know. So I yeah. always feel like those technologies are only going to cater for smaller quantities where it's just too complex and expensive to run a big press however yeah. we're quite interested in um getting a stampinator are you aware what a stampinator is yeah for the, the prep uh, for the automatic yeah, yeah. it's like an it's like inline heat press yeah yeah and people use it to um press transfers at high speed so they, oh, really? they reckon, yeah, so you press them on the press. There's no printing. You just get the ultra color, you know, line it up, obviously, with the lasers, slap it down, the stampinator sticks it down, and then you peel it off when it comes around. Obviously, it doesn't need to go in the oven. Um, and they can actually also, they reckon, they claim, if you had a stampinator at the beginning to, this is for screen printing now, to... Um, effectively just flash cure your underbase and it flattens it out so there's no rolling needed then you print your other colors and at the last head you have another stampinator they claim that that doesn't need to go through the oven which um, would be pretty cool yeah I don't, you know i haven't heard anyone else say it yet but that's what they reckon um, i'm quite interested in getting one of those for our printing but if we did that that would open us up to larger runs of you know complex colors but yeah. at the end of the day it's still a transfer and yeah. we all know what happens to them in the end as you said at the beginning of our chat today you know they're going to come off they're going to crack they're going to fall apart they're going to peel and yeah um and i feel slightly embarrassed about having something yeah. like that come out to be honest yeah um, so yeah, I don't know whether we will do that or not, but we certainly haven't done it much until now. Yeah, yeah, something just for those small jobs. It's really handy. Just put some transfers on. I don't. We kind of tell the customer like it's not, it's not the best option, but it it works. Um, unless you want to drop colors or whatnot, sometimes it's the only option. Like stuff with heaps of gradients and heaps of colors and. Like you're not going to screen print some of the stuff that comes through here, um, yeah. But yeah, it's just another tool in the tool belt, really. Um, 
I feel like t-shirts these days are more throwaway than they've ever been. So people might only wear them for about a month or two and onto the next, whatever the trend is, which is a bit sad, but um, mm. I think that that's what happens with a lot of these heat transfer ones. Yeah, we do a lot of printing for um, kids groups, camps and church groups and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they get their t-shirt as a kind of trophy. So they, yeah. they just keep them and keep them, you know? I mean, that's just one market and they tend to be fairly simple prints generally. Um, but you're right, aren't you, that there are these other ones that just get turfed. And then you then you meet the person, you know, you'll go out and bump into someone and they've got like, you know, 20 color simulated process shirt that they've had since they were 15. And, you know, and it yeah. just looks, the shirt itself has fallen apart, but the print still looks, you know, a one, yeah, um, yeah, and you you see that as well. It's a funny market. So, do you have in in terms of not not necessarily someone starting up, but someone that you know, like shirt show calls them shop hacks, but I'm sort of steering away from that. I like to call them tips and traps. Have you got any tips for people screen printing, and any traps to watch out for that you think might be helpful to know about? Um, traps would probably be trying trying to offer everything i feel like at points here i've tried to be like oh we want to do this and that and i've transferred embroidery this and like everything but i feel like if you just get really good at one thing or two things it's probably more beneficial then you're not spread as thin and you don't have equipment sitting around doing nothing if you're too busy to use it and whatnot um so i think you're better off perfecting your craft than trying to do everything and if you don't another thing is if you don't know something there's so many screen printers that are willing to help like you can send them a message on instagram nowadays um i quite often send people messages and be like oh i've got this um notice you do a bit of that what do you reckon or we want to buy this this press or this dryer what do you think of yours like i feel like you don't really want to be afraid to reach out to people these days because everyone's super helpful yeah, some people aren't, <laughs> but yeah, then the ones, a few. the ones that are, are really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you do a lot of uh, YouTubing and, and you know, when you were sort of learning more about how to get going, did you watch yeah. folk online? Yeah. Yeah, back in the day when I first started my brand, I think it was just Cat's Bit. And then I think now I've got like, the print life. He hasn't released anything for a while and there's yeah. lots of other sort of youtubers doing it now yeah the print life cam irvin just seems to have dropped off the radar i actually wanted to i've contacted him a few times in the past but wanted to sing out and just see what's going on there what about um mikey designs matt yeah i've watched a bit of his stuff that's how i kind of try to figure out the simulated process stuff if i I actually watched one the other day about how to disassemble an auto automatic printing press Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, he's pretty pretty good as well. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good resource out there. And the other one I used to watch is Lee Stewart. Yeah, I watched a bit of his stuff. Um, I do find he's a little bit arrogant. Um, thinks he <laughs> know, knows everything from the get-go. But, um, yeah. That's his he's style. definitely... Yeah. Definitely got some helpful stuff in there if you're willing to bypass the 
the persona. Yeah, he's definitely got a big persona. He's he's also very honest. I find like he's he's yeah. bullshy, but he's very honest. Um, but yeah, yeah he's, he seems to have done really well. He's really you know yeah. grown well and, and and so on. Yeah, cool. Hey, look, one last question: Have you ever done any live screen printing? We haven't, but I'd love to do some. Um, do you do much? You said you have a press to do it. Um, how do you how do you go about it? Because we find that like everything draws so much power, and you like you really have to simplify everything back down when you're so used to using all the all the big stuff. So we have yet to do an event, right? We're geared yeah. up for it, and we have our first event a week on Saturday, and it's a venue. It's a music festival. Um, and it's a venue that they say will hold, or they've had 5,000 people is the most they've had, and they're hoping they'll get more this year. So we're gearing up for that to try and try this concept out. We've got another yeah. company, another business that's owned by Ministry of Shirts that we're running that operation out of. I want to yeah. see if I can grow that as a separate thing. So I'll get back to you, but... I'm kind of terrified of it because, you know, yeah. one is that, that kind of anxiety, performance anxiety, pressure of printing in front of a customer. Yeah. It's a simple, you know, dark color ink on a light color garment. I'm a bit anxious yeah. about that. Um, and we're probably completely overkilling the whole thing. Uh, we've also printed up a number of garments from a, a retro brand we thought we wanted to run and then realized we didn't really know how to, to see if I can we can sell them off the stand as well. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know, but to answer the question, we're running one of those B100s, yeah. a single platen four color, um, obviously just four different screens. Um, it's a two day event. So we're hoping to run another four different screens on the second day. Yeah. Um, we're going to print on AS color 5001s, all light colors, um, fairly funky designs, bit retro for, the type of market that we think will be there and we've got a little um we made up a kind of trolley really which is the the press bolted to it on the top and on the bottom is uh what is it d1000 dryer so not the really small one the next the one, up. one yeah yeah and i just got that because it was second hand and um howard was was selling it from leapfrog and thought yeah i'll, I'll have that so, but that runs on 10 amps, so that's not a big deal. But yeah. I have heard the way to go is to use flash dryers, you know, the the standard, not the... the um, Yeah, the quartz ones. Yeah, not the quartz ones, just the standard ones, because obviously you yeah. blow the electrics. Um, and that, that's all it needs. Um, so that might be an easier way of carting stuff around. But yeah, we're hoping to shift four or 500 garments. We'll see, you know, we might shift... 40 yeah you know um so yeah I'll let you know how it goes uh, but i'm quite intrigued about the marketing side of that and the the sales aspect to making that work um in terms of throughput of people you know because you can't really because it's an experience for yeah. the customer you can't really you know have them round print right you know like you would want to do here yeah and that, I listened to a podcast on um, oh, the Print Hustlers 
annual conference that Printavo or Intavo, whatever they're called now, do. And it's the company in the US that are the preeminent um, live screen print event company. Yeah. And they run 400 events a year. And so I learned a lot from them. And the guy said, you want to be thinking uh, one t-shirt every 60 seconds, one, one t-shirt a minute. Yeah. Um, but don't try and, you know, get 10 out in a minute, right? Now, you and I, yeah. putting on a manual, you know, 10 a minute, we need to go a bit quicker than that, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the premium is so great that you have that experience with the customer. And if they yeah. want to print it, show them how to print it, you know, let them get involved in that because they will then go, and you can see I'm really into the marketing here, they will then go and tell everyone else, hey, I just printed my yeah. t-shirt, you know, really, where was that? So I'm interested to see how that works and whether it, you know, is as good as everybody says. But they claim that the Comic Con, they print ten thousand T-shirts. That's like crazy. a one event. That's mental, isn't it? They so, have like an auto set up for that and like a, a proper dryer and whatnot. I know. I know you insane. think so. So that apparently they just have dozens of V100s or equivalents of V100s set up with all their dryers, yeah. and you know you queue up for one at one station and another one for another one, and you know. And I have seen, uh, is it Vega 23, another online screen printer, a guy with a YouTube channel. He yeah. has a has a little video of an event. I don't know, there's probably 10 presses there. The queue was like the, the length of the football pitch. It was yeah. unreal. So it seems like it might be a, a goer, but we'll we'll see, see whether it works. Yeah, I think people are just naturally like curious as to how how it's done because no one's really seen a screen printing press unless you're involved in this sort of industry like most i feel like most people have seen a heat press by now but still the screen printing press is pretty like unseen yeah yeah so i'll people, let you know people try, yeah people try and figure out what it does and how it works and i think if you can show them that in person and they get a shirt at the end of it it's pretty pretty cool and they pay for it in the process. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it all works correctly. Oh, Jordan, yeah. mate, great, great to meet you. I, I yeah, love the story. Too. Like it's it's terrific that I what I like about part of your story, there the beginning of your story, especially, is you know, there was this project you did at, at college at uni that actually became your business, but yeah. also that you decided to print, you know, like so early you did your your um your transfers and realized that they were garbage and said, well let me go and actually learn how to print and then you started building yeah. things and now you've got an auto coming you know like it's it's incredible it's a great yeah, story kind of crazy like looking back on it like what was it eight years ago all i wanted to do was pay my rent and get a carton of beer and now i got got to print so many t-shirts to just keep the doors open like it's it's insane the difference in in such a short amount of time yeah it can grow really quickly can't it yeah yeah but i think the step that you're making by going to the auto like i said it's going to soak up so many jobs yeah you know and give you that extra capacity my fear that we're in now is we've gone through that learning curve for that experience and i'm now going oh what if 
this breaks, right? What if something snaps on this machine? Yeah. I've got to go and get an eight color Vastex out of storage. <laughs> yeah. And, and I can't print this many, you know, oh, here's another eight color. Here's another five color. You know what I mean? And yeah. so that's another thinking, a thought for me of we had a second auto and we'd need new premises like you, right? Yeah. Um, then, you know, that may be the thing that allows us to have a bit more redundancy because we can put a second shift on if one of them dies. That, you know, yeah. one of the presses die because we can still go at the right speed. We just need more hours in a day rather yeah. than, oh man, we've got to go over to a manual and we've got to do more hours just to, to get this job out, you know? So that's my fear, but that's down the track, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's definitely interesting to think about, like, even if a dryer goes down, it's like insane downtime to get one fixed back up. Like, that's the yeah. thing that you rely on the most. Yeah. And you don't think about it. Just sits yeah. there plumbing away. You Never turn it on every day, check the temperature, make sure it's right, and you're like, it's going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> but if something's to go wrong, it's like really wrong. Yeah. 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 But you've got redundancy in that you've got two. So that's yeah. That's good. Yeah. That was another reason why I went with two as well. So it's just handy to have extra things around here. Like we got to cut the spare flashes and stuff like that in case we ever need it. Yeah, no, that's, that's the way. Definitely. Okay. Well, look, mate, great to meet you. Thanks for sharing your, your journey and your story. And it's uh, super exciting. I'd love to touch base again a little while. Once you've got that press in, if you need a, a, any, yeah. you know, information or just give me a shout, might be able to help, might not be able to, but always here to help if, if need be um yeah. way too far away to to jump on in the car and come up yeah. and carry stuff for you but i hope it goes well i'm sure it will yeah um, thank you but thanks so much for your time too easy thanks for having me appreciate it all right catch you later jordan cheers bye, cheers, mate. bye.